Hey, Basic Brown Nerds, this is Joy Valerie. And one of the questions that people are always asking me is, how do I start a podcast? Well, I've been podcasting for almost three years now. And let me tell you, back when I started, there weren't many tools that made it simple to just start. And lucky for you, now there's Anchor.fm and you could get started right away with tools built in, audio features, and also making it really simple for you to monetize on day one. They will distribute your podcast on apps like Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. So just go to anchor.fm or download the app to get started and make sure that you share it with us. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. La, la, because I think it caps yeah. out it. Basic Brown Nerds, I'm Joy, and today I am here with Armando from Undocu Tales. He has an amazing story to share with you all, and I want to get to know more about him and his journey. So, Armando, can you introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you, Joy, for having me here. I'm so excited. Uh, my name is Armando Ibanez. I am an undocumented queer filmmaker. And I cur- I'm currently producing and creating a web series called Undocumented Tales about the life of an undocumented queer Mexican server living in Los Angeles. Uh, and I'm so excited that uh, we have been able to produce two seasons and now we are currently producing the third season. Well, I think it's super cool. And today we're here at um, Molcajete Dominguero. Then you hooked us yes. up. Shout, like, out, shout out to them. Shout, shout out. out to me. It is super <laughs> awesome. It's here in, we're in Boyle Heights, right? Yes. Boyle Heights, Los <laughs> Angeles. Um, and so what really inspired you to make this, right? And well, I guess before we get into that, can you tell me more about yourself? Like how did you end up in LA and what really inspired all of this? Well, that actually... It's, I think it's kind of the same question. Like what, what inspired me in, in a little bit of my story. It's because I grew up in Acapulco, Mexico, uh, in growing like kind of, kind of like in poverty. Like you're not allowed to dream that you're going to be working in the arts. For me, like filmmaking was something for white people or for rich people, not for me. Like in my family, it's like just grow up and try to find a job to survive and that's it so when we immigrate to the uh united states to los angeles the first thing that i was uh, told was if you have goals just forget about them because oh like God. we come here to this country Who to told work you that? Uh, our culture of family friends uh, it's like it's like living as undocumented and as an undocumented immigrant like uh the only thing that you're going to do in this country is work and don't tell anyone about your undocumented status. Don't get in trouble. And uh, so you won't get deported. Uh, and I accepted that. I was 18 years old and I accepted it. I didn't question it. And I spent 
all, all many years like working in the restaurant industry, but I always wanted to do something. I always wanted to like go to school. I wanted to do more stuff. And, and I just, I just didn't, I wasn't happy w during all of my twenties because I felt like that was not the life that I wanted until like around 10 years, probably, uh, 12 years living here. Um, I discovered the movement of undocumented dreamers uh, on the streets. They were coming on TV. They were protesting. And I was like, who are they? I want to meet them. I want to, I want to, I want to tell them that I'm undocumented too. I've been hiding myself all of these years. And now I see people shouting undocumented and unafraid on the streets, on TV. So I joined the movement and I discovered that many of them identify as queer, trans, gay, bi, uh, And that was for me like a whole world that I just like, I was amazed by. I felt like I was finally finding myself because like I identify as undocumented and queer. And I started embracing my, my identities and I eventually came out as undocumented and queer. So for me, that was a big, uh, a big, uh, step in my life to find my voice. And then eventually I ended up in community college and community college is when I took film as, as my major, which is something also that I had to struggle with because it's like as undocumented, As, as people of color, as Mexican, like, we want you to go to school, but like, you're gonna be an artist? Like, no. Right. <laughs> like, we want you to be a doctor. We want you like to be a lawyer. lawyer. <laughs> yes. Like, why a filmmaker? Like, you, we've been starving all of our life and now you want to be a filmmaker. So for me, it's, it's, it's struggle after struggle, not only with society, but with family, uh, uh, with goals and also as identity, with your identity as a queer person. Yeah. So basically <laughs> you just kept being like, hi, family. I'm queer. And then like, I'm going to be an artist. What do you think was a little harder? Uh, you know, it was a little harder than not only family, but I remember a couple of friends when I told them I'm finally going to college and I want to be a filmmaker. There was this silence, <laughs> you know, and that silence means a lot. That that means actually like, no, like, like, bueno. you know, like no, here. you're not going <laughs> to like, like, You know what that means, that they, they just don't believe in you, you know, and it's a culture. I think it's a cultural thing that uh, that we are not used to uh, pick this as, as something that you want to do for the rest of your life. In many of our culture or family circles or friend circles, we're, we're not allowed to dream big. We're not allowed to, to pursue, uh, in this case, filmmaking as a form of living. So for me, it was like really hard. And now that I'm doing undocumented, like I'm kind of like finally making people believe that I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> So how, how many? Oh no, go ahead. No, 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 no go ahead. How many? Well, how, I was gonna ask like when you started doing Undocumentals because you've been doing it for a while now. Yes, right? no, I've been. Uh, I mean, I was already in college, and I remember I wanted to write. I'm always thinking about ideas, like oh, there should be an idea about this, about that, a movie, a TV series. Always thinking about ideas, but it was so hard for me to sit down and write and put all of those ideas. Cause I was like, Oh my God, my grammar is horrible. And, and then I didn't believe in myself as a screenwriter. So I remember my first project, I wrote it 
and it was about this uh, girl who's an addict, and and I was like, that project is so bad because like I didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't even know what I was writing. I was not inspired about it. I was just trying to follow in the Hollywood formula, you know. And then uh, after spending a couple of years in college, um, I went through this. Uh, depression because I was I was uh, struggling with family accepting uh, acceptance as coming out as queer and and I was like am I always gonna be living like this like always like struggling with this and the struggle of being undocumented so <clears throat> I was going through this depression I had a panic attack in college and I started seeing uh, a therapist so I was like uh, looking for professional help and at the same time I remember a friend. Uh, said to me, have you ever seen this web series called Awkward Black Girl? And it's about this girl. Her name is Issa Rae. And her web series is so good. And I started watching it. And that changed my mind because I was like, oh my God, this is so awesome. And that inspired me to do a web series about um, about a person who's undocumented and queer, about a guy who's a Mexican server and he's always lying to his family about his identity and lying to society about his undocumented uh, uh, identity so <laughs> so that uh that uh, definitely started uh making me feel like uh, uh considering about what i wanted as a storyteller and i was i had already that in mind and um i was watching the emmys in during the summer of I mean, September 2015, and I was watching the Emmys, and Viola Davis won the Emmy, um, and during her speech, she said, you cannot win Emmys for roles that are simply not there, and I feel like that inspired me so much, and I feel like she was telling me, I feel like she was telling me, stop complaining about not seeing yourself represented on the screen, and do something about it. And uh, in that night, I sat down in front of my computer and started writing the first episode of Undocumented Tales. When when was that? That was uh, September 2015. Oh wow! That was almost four oh years God. ago. <laughs> and I feel like that's you know that's something we were kind of talking about earlier. How how representation is so important, right? Because you know you're even saying like that's a white people thing. Right. Yes. That you were like, oh, you know, growing up and then seeing like yes. amazing, strong black women saying like, you got to do this. Correct. <laughs> and also, I feel like, yes, she said that and she had a uh, she gave me the green light that I was waiting for. Uh, but then I didn't I we talk about representation, but for me, it's like I knew I understood the meaning of representation after people started watching the episodes after I premiered the first season, which is two small episodes and people from other States, other cities started sending messages saying like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm watching this. Like I'm undocumented. I'm queer. My family doesn't know that I'm queer. And I love this series. I love the character. And then I understood what representation means. And it's like living as undocumented. It's like, Society is telling you that you don't deserve to be here, that you don't deserve 
to be happy, that you don't deserve to exist, or in, in that you are less than a human being. So our presentation is with this series, I'm telling my community that their lives matters, that their lives are important, and that no matter what mainstream media is selling us every day, like we are beautiful and we deserve to be happy and not feeling guilty for pursuing a better life. That's what representation yeah. is. And that's what I'm doing with the series. Because I think there's two parts to that, right? Like, it's really cool once you see yourself represented. But like you were saying, right? There's like, if you don't see it, then it's like, okay, who's going to take the first step, right? That taking that step to be the representation is really hard. And right, like, because yeah. you don't have a blueprint or you don't have framework, like nadie lo ha hecho. So you're like, what do I do? So I guess my question is, how did you like find yourself in that position, right? So because you're doing something that no one has really done before, right? Like showcasing undocumented folk. You actually like do interviews with people from the community, right? Like you bring them to be a part of it. Um, so I think that's that I've been talking about this with some other people about being the first, right? Like paving the way and like what pressures do you feel like you faced and how do you handle that? I Well, first it's like... Uh exposing yourself as an undocumented mm -hmm. person right and you have to overcome yeah, you have even more layers. Barriers. yes and there's no like there's no books mm -hmm. that you can follow through there's no like a bible that you can like okay how do i do it i'm undocumented i'm queer <laughs> i want to be a filmmaker like how do i do it like there's no nothing that you can um and uh that you can follow uh and you can learn so it's on the way i've been following it's been so hard like so hard, like shooting without resources, without money. Uh, there's a lot of community. There's a lot of people in Los Angeles that have been helping me, volunteering their job, uh, their their labor uh, in front and behind cameras. But every day I feel like I'm learning something. Every day I'm learning something. And like with the audience, for example, that they're sending messages telling telling me about how they feel with the episodes. Uh I learned what representation really was, you know, telling people that they're, they're beautiful. And, um, on, as a filmmaker, I've been learning, like, it's been, I feel like undocumented has been an intense filmmaking program. Uh, it's like every day I had to learn about like producing, directing, writing, communication skills. I learned with Undocumented Tales season one, it's been over 80 volunteers that we had. And season two, almost 200 volunteers that we had. Oh my God. And I learned that people, that many people are really bad with communication skills. <laughs> are really bad. So like, let's say for example, when you don't want to go to a party in, in, um, and you find it really hard to say, like, I don't want to go. You just say, I'll let you know. Mm -hmm. When you can easily say, like, you know what? I don't think I'm interested. I don't want to go. So people have a hard time trying to say, no, I'm not interested. I cannot do it. I won't do it. I won't be there. They just either don't reply to emails. They just don't answer text messages. They just, uh, they just, the most common thing is I'll let you know. And for me, when someone tells me I'll let you know, it's like, they're not going to let me know. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned that. So for me, producing undocumented tales, I always tell people like, if you're not interested, that's fine. Just for real, let me know. Yeah. So it's like people don't show up. People confirm and they show, don't show up to the, to the, to the, uh, shooting. Uh, so for, it's been really hard to shoot, but, uh, without resources, but the reward, the reward of 
having undocumented characters on screen. Uh, not only All your cast undocumented as well. Uh, main the main cast, yes, are undocumented artists. What I didn't know is that there's a big community of undocumented artists, filmmakers, oh, wow. musicians, camera people that are coming out uh, and to help me with this uh, production. And that's beautiful because like there's a lot of community on set. Like I remember there was this scene uh, where um, my character is it's, uh, frustrated. He starts crying about like not being able to go to school. And when we were shooting that scene, I was like, oh my God, like, I wonder like how this scene is coming out because like I'm acting. So I don't know from my perspective, I don't know if this is good or bad acting. So I need a sign to, to know like if I'm doing good. And I turn and we finish shooting the scene and I turn to the crew members and there were like a few crew members crying wow. on set. Uh, because you act like, too, isn't yes, it? like I act, I direct, produce, you do everything. Yes. <laughs> Social media, editor, like everything. Because <laughs> we have no choice, you know? Like yeah. when, we, when you're like have so much passion for something, like you work 24-7. Uh, and one other thing that uh, I feel like I find, I have learned is that if you really want to start a project, you have to give give up like you had to make sacrifices and one of those sacrifices for me was to stop going out and to stop going to 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 the sunday brunch to the happy hour to brunch yes i know right <laughs> i know it was really hard for me because i was like it's either undocumented tales or it's all of my free time having fun so until now like i have friends always complaining like you don't ever want to go out you never want to go out but it's because like it's either one or the other one mm -hmm. and that's many people have come to me asking me like how can i start my web series have this awesome idea and i always tell them it's gonna be really hard right. you have to be ready to get to make sacrifices and one of those is gonna be your social life with it's it. true or it, like you know you're just like oh i spent 50 dollars on brunch like that yes. could really be like an equipment uh -huh. or something right and and I think that's something that you start to think because it's not just like you're creating, like you're also running a business too. Yes. And I think people forget that creatives, you know, are running a business. Like you are building a company, right? Yes. Yes. And, and I think the, the passion that I have for the project, it's so much that when I was shooting season two, when I was about to shoot season two, many people told me, you are shooting six episodes, 120 pages. That's a feature, feature uh, film. Like, there's no way you can do it without money. There's no way. And uh, I was like, yes, I can do it. And the production quality is like amazing. I've <laughs> seen you. some clips. I was like, yes, I can do it. But once I was already shooting, I was like, oh my God, this is so hard. <laughs> <laughs> it was really hard because like, I was literally at, I was literally like sending emails, sending text messages, planning the scenes, uh, rehearsing my lines until 3 a.m. So I could wake up at 6 a.m. and go to set, take care of every, all the logistics and being able to uh, shoot on time with everyone. It's like, it's just like, uh, I was like, I'm not looking forward to the season three, but I want to do season three. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so it's really hard but if you really want something i'm like uh, depending on your experience we you have to work a lot a lot but now uh, i have more help for season three like more people are coming uh and joining the crew and the cast so i'm so excited for that but one thing that that uh, i really want to 
mention about undocumented it's a this is the time this is a, a project where we get to see undocumented people laughing dancing falling in love like we get to see undocumented people characters being portrayed as human beings that's something that i haven't seen in hollywood right. they're always like crying crossing the border and getting deported which is part of our maids, experience or the, the maids, exactly staff. and it's like yes like a lot of people do that yes but that's the only we view. go through that but i want right. to show the beauty Mm -hmm. What do we do when we're not crying? What do we do after we cross the border or before getting deported? What is it? That, how do we live? I want to see the spirit of survival that we have. I want to see the community that we have. I want to see that despite all those tacos that we have, we get to manage to celebrate birthdays and this and that. Uh, and Hollywood doesn't know how to tell those stories. Right. Uh, we do. So. Well, it's because we're not there, right? Yes. That's the other thing. There's very few actual Latinos, undocumented folks. Because uh -huh. even if there's Latinos, like not everyone is undocumented. Not everyone will know what that experience is, yes, right? That you are exactly. adding. And I think that... We are living historical times in, in mainstream media. I feel like studios are finally paying attention, not because they care about social change, it but sells. it's because, <laughs> yes, exactly, about money. Because now audiences are speaking up. Right. Now we have the power to boycott something that is not as, as authentic, like what happened with Scarlett Johansson, that she was about to portray a, a transgender man. Mm -hmm. and, and audiences started speaking up, and now she's not doing the project anymore. Uh, why? Because, like, they don't understand that it's not okay that we cannot put up with this no more as an audience and the studios are finally listening uh so i think what that we are doing changes here and then it's not like all the changes that we want to see but it's gonna it's it's now finally that the studios are paying attention not like that yeah yeah and i think that's like the you know if we don't have the access and opportunities i love that especially like latino people And, you know, just black and brown folk in general are like, okay, you don't, you don't want to give me the access. Like, I'm going to do it myself. Right. And I think that's what always inspires me. And like, just seeing other people that it's just like, okay, how do we figure out? Like, we don't have these, like, you know, from these brand name schools and everything, but we're just like, okay, we're, we're going to like find our resources, like connect with people online, Google it and like finding what it takes to do it yeah and we have nowadays we have instagram facebook youtube like let's take advantage of those yeah. resources you know Bef especially as filmmakers like before we didn't have that now why are we waiting for school or to get accepted in this like really fancy schools to feel validated as an artist you know if we have a story to tell if we have a cell phone like we can do these stories like don't wait for studios to come and validate your as, as artists like we can do it ourselves yeah because i think a lot of us try to think like oh we have to be perfect right yes. and like you know because you're just like oh i have all of these things working against me that everything needs to be absolutely perfect until i like put it out there right and obviously you found that like once you started sharing your story like people came to you right and yes. building that community around all right. it and another thing when you mentioned like when we don't have to be perfect as they teach us uh That's what I love about the character, about undocumented tales, that he's not perfect. He's not the typical undocumented immigrant who, who works and, and speaks perfect English and, and, uh, and he's so smart and like, no, he makes mistakes. He's a human being. He makes mistakes. And that's what I, I, I 
I freaking love about this that we get to we get to fight that narrative, especially the dreamer narrative of like, oh, many people fight for dreamers because they're they're going to school, they have a, a four point zero GPA, and they speak English. Yes, and where are where's where's the rest? Right. Uh, I feel like with this project, I get to 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 change that narrative, yeah. you know, because I feel He's like he's a basic browner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> he is he, he he doesn't fit into this narrative and i love that because that represents the millions of undocumented immigrants who do not fit into this perfect immigrant narrative that mainstream media is it is fighting for is narrating about us uh i'm 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 not the one who's gonna with undocumented tales i don't show that undocumented immigrants contribute to the country to the country with undocumented tales i show that undocumented immigrants are human beings period and i love that <laughs> yeah because i feel like not just for other undocumented people that are watching just for like anyone that's watching right like it gives you insight into people's experiences and it's like oh you know maybe you're some like random white person living in i don't know ohio right and you pick this up and you see it and you're just like huh like introduced to another culture, right? Like obviously it's not meant for them, but at the same time, like when you start like watching media that is different from yourself, I think it does cause something, right? That is just yes. like, oh, like there's people that are different from me and they're not that different at the same time. Yes, and, and, and also another thing that, that um, people who are not part of the experience mm -hmm. of being a, a part of the undocumented community, they have asked me, like, how did you manage to write comedy in it? <laughs> like, they're surprised that there's comedy yeah. in it. You're like, I'm just like, crying yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because, like, undocumented people laugh, right. believe it or not. Like, we laugh. We throw <laughs> jokes. We, we, we make fun sometimes out of, like, uh, misery because we have no other choice other than that fine humor and people are so like uh, strange by by seeing undocumented characters laughing and making jokes and that's what you get to see in undocumented tales like that's how I humanize people and like you said like we are all the same and you get to see it just happens that some of some of us are undocumented right it's like we were just born in different places yes exactly <laughs> so you all need to watch the episode. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to Basic Brown Nerds, and we'll be right back. Hey, Basic Brown Nerds. So this is Joy Valerie. And with this episode, we're wrapping up season two. I have absolutely loved this journey of getting to chat with my friends and telling you all about them. And we are now going to be doing season three. So while we're doing that, we are fundraising to make sure that we're bringing you high quality content as well as being able to do more events in person and bring our community together because this has been a crazy last three years and I am incredibly grateful and there's so much that I want to do. But the truth is, we need that money, right? Um, so on that note, we have added our merch. So go to basicbrownnerds.com slash shops, and you can find all of our merch there. And 100% of the profits goes back into this podcast, back into telling our own stories, and making sure that every time you listen, you hear of someone that's doing something amazing and know that you can do it too, that these are people from our community. 
and feel empowered, especially in these times where sometimes it just feels like the world is against us and that people are saying so much honestly shit about us. But I know that our community is incredibly powerful and resilient. So make sure that you check that out because that's how we keep this going and we keep bringing our stories and we keep building this community. And know that every time that you purchase from our merch, you're not only just supporting this podcast, but you are also supporting locally owned Guatemalan businesses. So I'm really happy about that. And make sure that you're on our newsletter, following us on social media, and reach out to us if you have any events, opportunities, ways that we can work together to keep this going. So honestly, I just want to thank you for being a part of this and for listening to me these last couple years. And I'm really excited for what's coming this next decade in 2020. So make sure that you're following Basic Browners at Basic Browners and me on Instagram and Twitter at Joy Valerie. I'm kind of addicted to the internet, so feel free to DM me. Thank you so much. See you next season. Hey, Basic Browners, this is Joy Valerie, and I have some really exciting news for you. We have launched our merch shop, so you can go to basicbrownnerds.com slash shop and rep the Basic Brown Nerd movement. And this is one of the ways that we can keep making high-quality content and bring you season three. Yup, we are bringing season three in 2020. And know that when you go to our shop, you're not just supporting us. You are not just supporting the production of this. 100% of the profits goes back into Basic Brown Nerd so that we can bring you more episodes. But also because I want to make all of the ideas that I have a reality, events, and keep bringing you awesome content that every time you listen or see Basic Brown Nerds, you know that these are people just like you, that in this time where people are talking so much crap about us, that you know that our community is strong, powerful, resilient, that we make things out of nothing. And to be honest, that's how we started Basic Brown Nerds almost three years ago. We started in front of a computer and just trying to figure it out. So if you've been listening since then, thank you so much. And when you shop from Basic Browners, you're not just supporting this, you are supporting local business, local Guatemalan-owned business right here in New York. So thank you and feel free to reach out to us on social media at Basic Browners and also to me at Joy Valerie with two E's on Instagram and Twitter. I am low-key addicted to social media. That's literally my career. (laughs) I work in media. So I'm really excited to get to know you all, but also feel free to send me any opportunities, any ways to collaborate, to keep making this bigger and keep Basic Brown Nerds going. So see you next decade in 2020. So I wanted to go back to one thing that you mentioned about communicating, right? And I feel like, and this is probably way too broad of a generalization, I think it might, it's like 
it tends to be a cultural thing too, right? Because that's something I've struggled with a lot because, you know, te da pena decir yes. algo and you're just like, oh, okay, like I have to say yes to everything, especially like I think me as a woman, but also just like being Latino, right? Like you don't want to stir the pot too much that you're just like, okay, maybe. And I think it's like, <laughs> you know, we as a culture tend to be like more, I guess, a little bit more submissive that I wonder if that's something that plays into that, mm, right? You know, now that you mention it, like, yeah, I didn't see it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it has to be maybe some of that. Right. But then at the same time, like, it's, it's a problem for everyone. Yes. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, it's like I discovered it because, like, I'm like, if I have almost 300 people that I already work with. Right. Plus the people that didn't respond. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of people that I already. So for me, it's also it was also a training in mm-hmm. communication skills. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm not going to a place, I have no problem now telling people like, you know what? I'm not going to make it. Right. But that's really hard for everyone to say. it. Yeah, that's really hard. But like you said, like maybe because we tend to or we feel pressure. Right. Or we feel like uh, if we say no, we're going to lose an opportunity. Mm-hmm. But the way I see it now that I'm on the other side, it's like if you say no, I respect mo- that more, mm-hmm. you know, because like, f- like for actors, like w- actors have come to me and they say like, I really want to do it. I really want to do it. Send me the script. I'll be there. I'm available. I'm hundred percent. And then when I send the script or, or I, I call them or I talk to them, like I just did not respond at all. <laughs> No respond at all. No email back, no text back, yeah. nothing back. And I'm like, if you respond and you say like, uh, at the moment I'm not interested, like mm-hmm. I won't be available. Like I think that's way better. But like you said, like how do we get there? Right. How do we get there? Because yeah. that's a common problem that I've mm-hmm. seen now that I get to talk to a lot of people. That's a very common problem. And when friends tell me, like, I'll let you know, I always tell them, like, you're not going to let me know. <laughs> so... If you tell me, I'll let you know, I'm expect you to actually... Someone else told me that, and I say that a lot, and I try to, I do actually follow up, but that's because I I am the person that, instead of saying no, I say yes to everything. Okay, yes. And then I think for me, and I think I've noticed this with a lot of my friends too, then we like overcommit to things because we're like, yep, mm-hmm. yep, 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 and then you're just like, oh my God, I don't yeah. know how to say no, or yes. like, you know, uh. just, you know, telling people like after like, hey, I'm sorry, can we, you know, do this later instead? And I think that's the scary part, like the confrontation, yes. Yes. especially like, I don't know, maybe this is just a human thing, but like, I think that's very hard to do, to just be like, I'm sorry, I need to just consider this, like, I'll think yes. about it, like, I'll let you know in a week. And I think maybe that's better to say, like, give make time frames but yeah. it's hard it, it is hard and i work a lot with my therapist on this <laughs> like she told me like you can say who is it she was just like oh she's the one that she was just like you know you can tell people like let me get back to you right and but i'll need to find something else for, to say for instead. me well not my excuse but my reason like for being able to say no now without a mm-hmm. problem it's that I love now discipline. Right. Because so you have like, to. So now I'm, I'm okay because I'm always have something to do. And I'm right. like, oh, you know what? I won't be able to do to go to your party because I had to wake up to the audition. So mm-hmm. to shoot at 7 a.m. And, and people understand that. Right. Well, right. So now it's like I always have a reason. And if I don't, I will say like, I'm going to go, but I'm going to go for one hour. That means I'm not going to drink. Yeah. <laughs> so don't pressure me. <laughs> So 
I'm very, very honest with yeah. what I'm gonna, about to say. So people know that I'm going to go to a party, but I'm not going to be able to drink. And I think on the <laughs> other end, someone who doesn't see all the behind the scenes, like all the organizing you have yes. to do, it's just like, oh, it's not a big deal. And you're yeah. just like, I'm going to die if you don't <laughs> schedule this. <laughs> but, uh, but also it took me, like I started on Dark Tales in 2015. So mm -hmm. it, it's been almost four years for me as a training to like being honest with like oh right. i won't be able to go i'm not interested learning in those moment. management skills yes, <laughs> it's been a whole process and now that you're saying oh it's it's also cultural you're giving me homework because i'm like oh yes it is. i mean maybe cultural. i don't know this is my theory but yeah yeah, yeah, yeah but it's a good theory because you know? so my therapist she's she's a white woman And I remember her being like, why do you feel like you always have to say? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, that's just how I grew up, you know? Like, we were just always like, oh, okay, like, don't, para no quedar mal con nadie. But at the same time, then you quedar mal con everyone. Pero you also got a really good <laughs> point because yeah. one thing that I've seen from white people is that they have no problem being honest. Yeah. They have It's no so problem true. being honest. And, and that is, that is yeah, a thing. There, we solved the theory. <laughs> okay, maybe it is. Because I've definitely had those moments where, like, a white person will tell me, like, oh, no, I can't right now. And for a second, I'm just like, what? Yes. And yes. then I'm like, oh, you, you can say no. And it's not like, <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. But you're just like, huh. And I remember this happening once. And then I'm like, that, that means I can say no, too, right? Yeah. And, it's like, and, yeah. that, and that also comes, and I thought about it before. Like, that also comes from, like, you always had, You always you grow up with this uh, privilege already of not worrying about things. Mm. So maybe when you say no, it's consciously you're already thinking you're gonna lose something, right? You know, so it, it is culture. Yeah, because <laughs> what is it? I was reading about this the scarcity mindset, mm -hmm. and I think that's something you know, like when you like I grew up low income, right? So I think it's like when you grow up poor, you're always just like, okay, I need to like figure out what's my next step right instead of thinking like what is it it's like some hippie thing it's like abundance right that you're just yes. like okay it's okay to say no to this because something else might come up anyway and not thinking like it's the only potential that is, thing that is so real yeah that is so real and and yeah that is so real because like for me i'm also struggling with that even with my family like uh like when we go to eat And we're like, I remember in Mexico, we used to go to eat and my mom used to say like, oh, we could have saved this money because we think that we're not going to have no more. Right. You know, and that's mindset of like a scarcity. It's like, it's a cultural thing that prevent us from like uh, more things. Um, right, you know, right. Like being open more. Yeah. And even like investing in yourself, right? Like in your projects and everything. And that's like something for me that's been very hard to like rethink like even these mics i was just like okay if i buy the mics like this saves me money in the long run yes. <laughs> but yeah i think it's like that shift that you have to come out of and being like okay like this is gonna be better in the long term instead of just thinking like tomorrow yeah but also like you brought another important topic because like when i was going to therapy um my therapist was white too mm -hmm. and i could tell there was like a difference In, in terms of like, yes, culture has a lot to do mm -hmm. with it. Uh, it helped me a lot. She helped me a lot, a lot to understand a lot of things that I wanted to understand about me. Mm -hmm. But at the end, I feel like there is, uh, like the experience has mm -hmm. to do a lot with it. Right, right. I don't know if you agree. Maybe. No, I, I think so. Because even, you know, like I don't like asking people for too many things because I don't want to feel like a burden. 
Mm-hmm. And I think it's because I know that I would say yes, even if it would inconvenience me. So even now when I ask people, I'm like, are you sure? Like, do you have the yes. time to do this? Because I'm like, I don't want to like be that imposing on somebody else. And yes. I know that a lot of like, you know, people in my community, in my family will say yes, even if it means like, oh, it's fine. Like, yeah. we'll just accommodate somehow, you yes. know? Or we also feel like we had to thank a million times and be like, right. thank you, thank you, thank you so much, thank you so much, <laughs> thank you, I appreciate it. Because I feel like that's the hard part when you're trying to move into, like, spaces that are more white, that aren't more welcoming. Yes. And that's why, you know, like, we're super agradecidos. Uh-huh. That then we're just like, oh, my God, thank you for these scraps. And then you're just like, wait a second. Like, I deserve a lot more <laughs> than scraps, right? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all cultural. So going back to, to the, ex- the experience of, like, doing undocumented, I feel like I'm also, like, you know, struggling with that. With, like, some people have provided resources as, as in a space, as this, like, nothing. And I feel like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm doing this. And, yes, they are helping me, but I feel like we are so used to, like, not deserving anything, feeling like mm-hmm. we don't deserve stuff. That when we have a little bit, we feel like we, you know, but we deserve everything. Yes, put that on a shirt. (laughs) (laughs) There, we're going to trademark that. (laughs) On DocuTail shirt, fundraiser. (laughs) Podcast, a podcast. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, wow, I'm just... There's like so much that we could keep. No, right? It's funny because I've never talked about the communication skills. Ever, oh, really? Ever. But I'm always thinking about that. When people ask me, uh, I ne- what have I learned about undocumented tales? I think about the, the the communication skills, but I never talk about it. Mm-hmm. I just think about it. Yeah, I think that wouldn't be the first thing that I would think of. Right? Imagine now that I'm thinking about uh, getting the the crew and the cast for season three. And I'm in the process, and I'm asking people, like, how good are your communication skills? And they <laughs> ask me, what do you mean? I said, how good are you at responding emails, responding text mm-hmm. messages? Like, uh, because people just assume that when you send them an email, by them reading them, they assume that you know that they read it. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. and, and, and I have no problem just telling them, you know, respond to the email, respond to the text message, like you're already working with us, you're yeah. on the crew. Like, uh, and I think that maybe now that you're mentioning, I'm like, yes, it is a cultural thing. Yeah. <laughs> we need to work on that. But I think, you know, one of the ways to go around that, even that I've found managing people, is setting those expectations, right? Mm. So being like, cool, like you're going to be part of this team. Like, um, you know, I need you to respond between like nine to two, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think once you give people a little bit more direction, even if they're, you know, struggling with that, it's just kind of like, okay, and then it's like helping everyone in the end, because that I think that's a problem that we have when we're trying to, like I said, move into other spaces, because then you feel like you can't be a part of that, right? You're just like, I don't feel comfortable here at work and like you know i'm it, it's like external cultural things that people don't account for right and that's one thing that i learned in that like with my friends close friends i feel comfortable sharing with and mm-hmm. telling them like you need to respond yeah <laughs> <laughs> you need to respond or you know when you're like when you're reading an email and you're like you already have the answer yeah and you don't respond and you're like oh, i'll respond later and then i'll ask myself why am I leaving this to respond later if I can just respond right now? Yeah, you know? that's, that's true. That's also another thing forget. that I, yeah, and then you forget. And that's another thing that I I worked on it and I changed. Now I'm like, if I have the answer, I'm gonna respond right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So those are things that ha- help me. 
to get undocumented tasks uh, done. Like if if I wasn't with the communication skills, like I wouldn't have this done. Like that's that's a lot. Yeah, I mean there is a lot of like organizational management that goes behind the scenes and just everything. I mean, that's like what I love. I'm just like planning, <laughs> structure. Um, but I think people don't realize how much everything needs to yes. just, you know, it goes so much smoother. You're not like going around, running around like a chicken, like, you know, todo loco. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but so I guess what else do you have in store for Tales? Like, what are your goals with this? Well, my goals, you know, um, the first one, uh, the one that I started originally, it's uh, educating audiences mm -hmm. about our experiences, about our community. I want them to see how beautiful we are. Uh, and the second, uh, most important, it's right now, especially during these times, uh, we need representation, and I want my people to see themselves on the screen, and I want to remind them how powerful we are. Because mainstream media is telling us that we don't deserve to be here, and we don't deserve anything. And with this project, I just want to remind my people when they forget. And how can they forget when you fall into depression? Mm -hmm. When you fall into depression because you're undocumented, because you're queer, uh, I want them to see the episodes, and I want them to smile. You know, many people have come to me and say, I want to do something, but I can't come out. I can't I can come out as undocumented because I'm scared. And I was telling, by you waking up every day, like, you're doing a lot already. Yeah. So just keep waking up. Like, because, like, for me, when I fall into depression, like, I was thinking, like, what's the point? Like, what's the point? And I used to wake up, and I was like, I don't see the point. And, and I used to go to school, go to dance, go out with my friends, go to work. And I kept asking myself all the time, like, I don't see the point to be alive. Like, I don't understand. Like, I, I don't understand. And that's when you're already giving up. You know, that's when you're already forgetting how powerful, how beautiful you are. So with the series, it's like, I just want my people to remind, to be reminded how beautiful we are. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so uh, those are, are the goals, and I want to continue uh, continue uh, writing and creating, not only on Documented Tales, but other projects. I feel like I want to do a documentary about uh, about the crossing, crossing the border experience. Mm -hmm. I'm writing a, a comedy. I wrote a feature film uh, that I submitted uh, to Sundance. Uh, I didn't get accepted. I read the Yet. script again. No, I, I read the script again. <laughs> And it's a mess. It's a mess. <laughs> like, I read it, like, after I got rejected. And I read it, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, why did I submit this? Like, I wonder why. What did they What did they think? Whoever read it, like, what did they think about me? But, you know, I love that. I get to mm -hmm. see. I get to re-edit. Re and I get to, because to, I think that feature film that I wrote, uh, it's a beautiful story. I mean, I wrote it, right? <laughs> ¿Qué puedo decir? A little like, biased, <laughs> just a little bit. Un poquito humble. <laughs> Pero está hermosa y estoy, I'm, I'm in love with the story. I just need to work on it. Right. You know? I need to work more, uh, rewrite, re-edit, but I'm working on it. So I, I, my point is I feel so inspired and empowered to creating, to keep creating stories. So this is just the beginning. Oh, yeah. This is just the beginning <laughs> of like... 50 years of filmmaking. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm so honored that you sat down with me. No, I'm going to be like, happy. when I see you on there getting your Emmys and everything, I'll be like, I know him. That's my friend. <laughs> I'm happy. 
happy that we're doing this. We're, we're having fun. We're having a really nice conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and so I guess to kind of wrap things up, what advice do you have for any um, undocumented aspiring artist? Believe in yourself. I mean, that's the, the rule number one for everyone. Mm-hmm. Believe in yourself. But as people of color, as, as undocumented, like we are, we have to fight against everything. Against, uh, against our family, against society, against society norms, standards. Uh, we have so much to fight. And when you believe in yourself, uh, there's going to be a lot of no's. There's going to be a lot of people telling you that you can or you're not allowed to dream. So when you believe in yourself, everything is going to be smoother. And second, for artists, aspiring artists in general, like if you're, as an artist, you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable. 100 mm, percent mm-hmm. if you're not vulnerable 100 percent uh you're not gonna be able to sh- to portray feelings you know and many people are like i don't like to be vulnerable but i want to be a screenwriter i'm like if you don't want to be vulnerable you're not gonna be able to share feelings emotions on mm. on pages and that's something that i learned acting acting on documented tales you know when actors are like oh my god i can cry i cannot cry once i was a hundred percent comfortable with being vulnerable in front of cameras in front of 10 people behind cameras i was like the tears just come out and you don't even notice wow that's something that i learned i was like wow so that's the secret so you just have to be comfortable with vulnerable Mm -hmm. and then the tears will come out and you don't even have to worry about nothing nothing you could do anything and trust me because season three it's coming and now i pour so much on the scripts that it's gonna be intense. I'm intense. So excited. And now I don't have to worry about like, oh my god, am I gonna be able to do this in front of camera? Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I'm ready for everything now. <laughs> everything. <laughs> so yes, be vulnerable and you're gonna be okay. Yeah, I think that's just a good life lesson, right? Because you know, once you're you're vulnerable, you connect with other people a lot easier too. Yeah, and people are gonna be able to connect with with those yeah. emotions, with those stories. And so the last thing that I ask everybody is something that you are grateful for today. Grateful to be alive. To be alive, definitely. Like, you know, when I drive and I'm like, many people getting into car car accidents. When I am doubtful about something and I'm like, I cannot do this. And then I'm like, maybe I'm not going to be here tomorrow. I think the more you grow, I love being 36. Because like the more I grow, the more I value life. So I'm grateful to be alive. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> You have a bunch of things coming up. Um, where can everyone find you and find out about the fundraiser and screenings, everything? <laughs> right now, we're gonna we're gonna we are currently uh, running a GoFundMe campaign to collect funds because we need to pay for equipment, food, like permits, insurance, a lot of stuff. And uh, you can go to GoFundMe on Documented Tales or go to our pages, uh, social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Undocumented Tales. Website, UndocumentedTales.com. Support the project, watch the episodes, share it with family, friends, any people that you know that they might donate, I don't know, potential sugar daddies. <laughs> potential sugar daddies. <laughs> we need him. Right now, we need him. <laughs> Glucose guardians, I like to call them. <laughs> we gotta do what we gotta do to get this break done. <laughs> Just kidding. And where can people find you? But not uh, really. Like, we're not really kidding. It's fine. <laughs> no, social media. Also, Armando Ibañez, El Peor del Mundo. Uh, El Peor del Mundo on Instagram. 
<laughs> well, thank you so much for this. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you for having me. And I hope that you love the episodes. And, and uh, to my people, to my undocumented people, don't give up. Do not give up, please. Basic Browners is a production of Carrera Digital Solutions, where dreams, effort, vision come together to empower our communities through tech and media. If you want to support us, you can make a donation through our website, basicbrownnerds.com, or simply share our content with your friends. Thanks for listening to Basic Brown Nerds.